That is Vicky Sampson doing um, a remake or, or cover of Kiss My Innocence. Um, it's just gone 11 minutes after 8pm on this Friday evening as we usher in the second and last hour of the show. Joining me on the line is our resident motoring journalist, Voyum Pofu, Madam Driving in Hills herself. Voyum, thank you so much uh, for joining us this Friday evening. Thank you for giving me a call and... Yeah, it's going to be quite an interesting discussion that we have today. <laughs> Let's start off. Um, we know that the biggest problem that we have at the moment is the dark. And it's not just driving at night. It's the fact that there are no lights on because of load shedding. So can you give yes. us you know, a, a few tips about driving at night, especially if you're a woman and then just around safety in general? Well, you know, your basic safety precautions need to be employed, if not um, amplified a hundred times. Being aware of your surroundings, knowing where it is that you're going, I think the worst possible thing that could happen to anybody, men or women, uh, when driving in the dark, is looking for a place, you know, or Mm. driving around in an unfamiliar place. So the first thing that you need to do is make sure that you plan, you know exactly which route to take, um, and that people actually know where you are, because you can also just say, send people live, you know, your live location to some various GPS, you know, technology. Um, And just also, this is something that we talk about even when the lights are on. (laughs) You need to slow down as you approach a traffic light, particularly if it's amber or if it's red. Do not speed up to a traffic light and this becomes even more prevalent at night or when there is load shedding because you just don't know who is lurking in the shadows waiting to pounce and then you become a victim of opportunistic crime. So you need to slow down, basically take your foot off the gas and let the car roll to a, you know, towards the um, traffic light and that basically minimizes your need to come to a dead stop, yeah, yeah. at a traffic light. So by the time, uh, hopefully, if you're timing it correctly, um, the car rolls to the traffic light, and then as it turns green, you basically accelerate and, you know, pull away. And also, because so much crime happens around um, intersections and uh, stop signs and um, traffic lights, etc., you want to be aware of the people or the other vehicles around, around you. you. Mm-hmm. And you yourself need to keep a very um, good uh, following distance from the car, you know, in front of you, so that if you should notice anything suspicious, you've got a, you know, escape plan. So you've got basically room to maneuver because you need to be able to move your car out the way or drive. And I don't want to say over them, but you know, like past them. No, <laughs> let's not say that. No, no, drive, oh. no, don't drive over anybody. Um, like, yeah. Just- Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the one thing that you did say is, um, and, and this brings me kind of to the to the next question, is that you know if you're coming to the intersection and it's it's red or amber, um, or you know instead of speeding towards it, you should maybe kind of slow down and almost I, I want to say kind of um, free flow. So put your foot on the clutch and kind of you know almost roll to the stop. <laughs> but I'm I'm always worried about burning out my clutch. Is it is it possible to do that? Like how do you look after your clutch? Okay, so a lot of people actually have faulty clutches or one of the things that people talk about a lot and do incorrectly in their driving is ride the clutch. And I think that's basically what it is that you're talking about. So that's a very bad thing to do for your car as well as for your clutch because obviously it's just to wear much quicker and it is not a cheap thing, um, you know, to replace. The clutch should be used as a switch. Think of it as a switch. You're either using it fully so it's either completely engaged or completely disengaged. Okay. You know, and then so and you use it obviously to change your gears. Mm. Um, 
So when it is completely engaged is when it's depressed it completely, you're changing your gears. When it's completely disengaged is when you're not changing your gears. Mm. Now, what happens is a lot of people actually hover, have their foot hovering over it, semi-depressed, and um, it's on all the time. And that basically is what is one of the biggest culprits of causing a wear and tear to your clutch. I must say, I'm very guilty of that. I, I am the person. I am that person that kind of rides the clutch, even even though, even and 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 I shouldn't say this out loud because I'll get into trouble. But I'm also one of those people that don't, you know, when you go to when you're standing on the steep hill, and you're supposed to like pull up your handbrake to, to mm. kind of you know pull away. I'm one of those people that does the clutch pedal type of thing. So 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 so, so, so I'm like I, I I hover there in between and and I'm very bad. I'm very sorry. I, I apologize to everybody who's listening right now because I'm a bad driver. You shouldn't be doing that. But you're saying that basically I'm gonna have to replace my clutch a lot sooner because I'm doing that. You certainly will. So riding your clutch on a on a hill climb or um and another thing you to do it, I'll tell you why I think you've you've gotten into the habit of doing this. This is part of the K fifty two process mm-hmm. where you they actually take you on a little bit of a, a rise on incline and you've got to do the clutch control thing. Yes. And you've got to basically uh, release the clutch and accelerate without rolling backwards. backwards. And if you do roll backwards you are you know, you've basically failed your test and they nab you constantly on that. Yes. Um so there will be times where perhaps the, the stop that you need to um, uh, be at on the incline isn't long enough for you to pull up you know, the handbrake. Say the traffic is moving really slowly, but not slowly enough for you to actually come to a complete stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah? There are times that you have to basically control you know, the clutch and balance between the gas and the clutch. Yeah. But what you're talking about and what we're talking about for purposes of this conversation is when people are doing consistently and coming to a... Um, an incline and not using the handbrake. Look, you need to use the handbrake similar to how you would control the clutch. So you pull it up and then depress it, let it go, and gas out at the same time. Yeah? Yeah. So, and that's the same thing that you would do, you know, with your clutch. But, yes, that, that is a very, very bad habit. We need to um, smack you on that on Yes, that one. now I, I will take points i'll get off my demerit they'll well i will get demerits for it i'm sure i will um looking at, at the <laughs> i shouldn't say these things hey. looking at uh, being able to service our cars at independent workshops tell me a little bit about that it seems like we're one step closer yes well look this has been going on for quite a number of years basically it started out with a campaign called right to repair which allows mm. consumers to select where their vehicles are serviced maintained and repaired at a competitive price um at a workshop of their choice yeah um, so basically, it just gives us more freedom, it gives us more choice, and it allows a lot more um, enterprises uh, to basically participate, you know, in mm. the automotive repair, you know, space. Unlike what we've currently got, where you've got to take it to a particular OEM, and if you don't do that, they basically, you know, void your warranty. Your warranty. Mm. Now, that looks like it's going to be changing. In fact, the discussion has been going on for some time, and it has pros and cons, but I think that it has the best pros for the consumer because it basically is going to Mm. make life a lot easier for us and a lot cheaper. I'll tell you what. For instance, one of the main contention points is the use of original parts. Yes. The independent service providers who are normally not, they don't have a wide range of um, original parts, you know, which belong to the OEMs, and sometimes they fit what we call pirate parts. Mm. I prefer to call them gray parts because they are different grades of parts that you can put into your car. Some are just bad, horrible parts that are just going to, you know, uh, actually damage your, your, your car. And then you get gray parts, which simply are almost like uh, no-name brand um, medication yeah. or, you know, cleaning, service, cleaning products that you would find 
you know, in, in, in a supermarket. Yes. It's still the same kind of, you know, dishwashing liquid, but it just doesn't have... It's a generic. Thank you, that's good. You yeah. see, English, she's not my friend. Generic part, okay? So now when it comes to this particular conversation about the right to repair, basically those independent service providers are able to fit in parts which are not um, OEM original parts, but they are generic parts that work just as well, and which are obviously much cheaper to us as consumers. Sounds very good for you. Without, sorry, without voiding your, 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 warranty, your warranty. Which is, of course, the yeah. most important part. We thank you so much. Yeah. Really, I uh, lived up to uh, the promise that you made at the beginning of the conversation that it was going to be an interesting one. And we look forward to chatting to you again next week. Drive safely. Fantastic. Thank you. Drive safely, everybody. Thank you. That is Voyim Porfu, um, a resident motoring journalist. Do follow her on all her social media pages. It's Driving in Heels. Um, she also has a uh, an online magazine that launched uh, a week ago. And do go and have a look. Great information there by Voyim Porfu.